Hello and welcome to Try Talking Sport, hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and a little bit of entertainment. Well, what a weekend of racing, finally. It was great to see the action underway at the Ironman events in Estonia, Poland and France, as well as on the ITU circuit with the World Championships in Hamburg. The Tour de France has been thrilling to watch and of course closer to home here in Ireland the Kerry Way Ultramarathon took place last weekend and the Transatlantic Way Ultra Cycling Race is currently underway with riders en route to the finish line in Kinsale. The National Aquathon Championships at the weekend also saw some very exciting racing and super results with Kieran Jackson and Emma Porter crowned the first national champions of 2020. Lots of our former guests have been in action since our last episode. It really does feel like a bit of normality is returning with all of this racing underway. I am chomping at the bit to get my hands on a microphone and get back to work. Special mentions this week to Katrina Matthews and Nikki Bartlett, both recording significant wins over the weekend. Katrina taking her first win as a pro athlete at the Ironman 70.3 Estonia on Saturday and Nikki winning her race and setting a new course record in the process. Cyclist Roland McLaughlin set a new course record at the Donegal Ultra 555, winning the race in a blistering time of 17 hours, 17 minutes. Brian McChrystal and Donica McCarthy took the Paratri Aquathon Championship title with Leo Hines and Stephen Teeling Lynch in second place. The hardman in Kerry saw Brian McChrystal set a new course record for the long distance event in Killarney as he stormed to victory on the day. You can check out my live chat with Brian and his hardman race recap over on the Try Talking Sport Facebook page and indeed find out the stories behind the athletes in our previous podcast episodes. In other news, Frank Greeley started his Gratitude Road Challenge on Monday of this week, walking from his hometown of Ballyhonas in Mayo to Morton Stadium in Dublin over the next two weeks to raise funds for the Coombe Hospital. Frank set a junior 10,000 metre national outdoor running record 50 years ago and that record still stands today. His Gratitude Road journey is part of his anniversary celebrations. On a personal level, I finally completed my August swim challenge for Cancer Care West with an initial target of swimming 13 kilometres for the Galway Bay Virtual Swim. I rounded off the month of August with 13.1 miles of swimming in the sea in skins. I had hoped to get to 26k but a few unexpected roadblocks got in the way which was a bit disappointing but nevertheless I am still very happy to have clocked up those miles. Not bad for a non-swimmer. Now the focus is back on the bike and run with some daily dips in the sea to keep me on my toes. This week's guest really doesn't need any introduction. The three-time Ironman world champion Marinda Carfrey is one of the best and most notable triathletes in the world. Rini, as she is known, completed her first Ironman race in Kona in 2009, where she finished in second place. In 2010, she was crowned the world champion for the first time. And since then, she has been crowned the Ironman world champion twice more in both 2013 and 2014. Rini has finished on the podium seven times in Kona since that first appearance in 2009, with three world titles, two second places and one third place. Her run course record on the Big Island set in 2014 still stands to date. Testament to the determination, tenacity, power and sheer grit it took to literally run herself to the top of the podium and claim that victory on the day. 
Her sporting CV is a lengthy one. Some highlights of her success include representing Australia at the ITU Triathlon World Championships from 2001 to 2005, earning silver medals in 2002 and 2003 before stepping up to long distance racing. She won the Nice Long Course Triathlon in 2004, was second at the ITU Long Course World Championships in 2005, finished third at the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in 2006 before claiming the world title at the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in 2007. To date, Rini has clocked up over 50 wins at major races throughout the world. Married to fellow world champion triathlete Timothy O'Donnell, they welcomed Izzy to the family three years ago and are expecting baby number two at the very end of this year. They, along with Izzy, announced this news on the Tim and Rinny show, much to the delight of their followers, and were also appointed global brand ambassadors for Aquasphere in recent weeks. Despite the lack of races now taking place due to COVID-19 and the global pandemic, Rini is as focused as ever. We shoot the breeze in this episode chatting about her career in sport, juggling training, racing and motherhood, all while tenaciously and passionately chasing her dreams and goals. Enjoy the show. Rini, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It's 8.30 in Boulder. It's 3.30 in the afternoon in Galway and it looks like the sun is shining. Yes, the sun is shining here, although we've had some pretty bad fires locally and some bad wind yesterday. So it's a little grey and uh, smoky, you know, high 30s and then snow tomorrow. Oh, so it's <laughs> um, a big a freak, mix. Freak snowstorm tomorrow, which will actually be great for the, um, for hopefully put out some fires, but um, yeah, pretty weird for this time of year, pretty early for, for snow and freezing weather. For one day, I think then it goes back to spring weather. You had some big news uh, announced very, very recently. One is that you are pregnant with a brother or sister for Izzy, and the second is that you're now a global ambassador for Aquasphere. How far along are you with the pregnancy? I'm actually, well, 23 and a half weeks now, so um, well on our way, um, past halfway now. So it's actually gone pretty quickly, even in, you know, these crazy COVID times. So what's it been like the last few weeks for you then, um, being pregnant and trying to train and, I suppose, navigate through COVID-19? Yeah, well, um, well, rewind to March when, well, the end of March when, um, you know, we're training and I was trying to get ready for Ironman St. George. Uh, my first race of the year was going to be Texas 70.3 and I think three weeks out or three and a half weeks out that race got cancelled and then within a week uh, St. George got cancelled and so you know Tim things were looking a little grim on the racing front and Tim and I kind of looked at each other and said well you know we were planning on starting you know trying for another baby at some point this year most likely after Kona depending on how St. George went um so, you know, why, well, why wait? Maybe we should start trying now. We're not getting any younger and, you know, we, you don't know how long it's going to take to actually conceive. And so um, we started to try and two weeks later we were pregnant. <laughs> so uh, it happened very quickly. Um, and, yeah, we're so fortunate that it did. Um, we're over the moon excited to have another little one on the way, a little sibling for Izzy to play with. And, yeah, it's kind of shifted our whole year because, you know, things – were kind of grim and no races and uh, you know as it's turned out no races will happen maybe there'll be a, a race or two at the end of the year but races have just continually be ca- been cancelled throughout this year I mean St George was postponed till September and obviously that got cancelled and so for me timing could not or for us timing could not have been better it's really put a positive spin on this year and in terms of training in the last weeks uh 
initially I was, um, I said to my coach, Julie Dibbins, uh, no, I'll just keep pushing through and train and you know, hope that a race pops up. And then I felt pregnant up and I said, okay, well, let's change that plan. Um, I'll continue, you know, I'll, I, we want to keep my fitness for as long as possible with hopes that, you know, when I'm really slowing down at the end of my pregnancy, it's not, you know, months and months of limited training. It's only a couple of months of really limited training. So I've been trying to keep active within reason, um, listening to my body, being smart. Um, I'm probably only doing about 12 hours a week right now. And um, once the baby comes, obviously, I'll have probably six, six to eight weeks off and then get back into it. But yeah, again, the baby's due New Year's Eve. So hopefully be back racing by June, July. And you are planning to be at the start line in Kona in 2021? Yes, um, I've been given an early um, entry into that race. Kona got cancelled as well, and it got postponed to February, as we all know. And so I was given a uh, an entry to the February race, and obviously I could, had to decline that due to pregnancy. And then, you know, they cancelled that one. And so they, they gave me, a. I think everyone that got uh, an entry for February, they gave it to them in October. So that couldn't have been more perfect for us because, again, you know, starting racing in, in uh, June would have been a very short lead-in to try and do an Ironman to qualify and then do Kona. So Kona would have been off the cards for me next year. So, uh, yeah, cards have fallen into place. Hopefully we do get to race next year and, there you know, there is a normal season for us. But the um, way things are unfolding, I won't be missing anything on the race front. And it must have been difficult, really, <laughs> with the cancellation of all the races. I mean, your your whole career depends on having races to be able to perform, to win at, to train for. So how did you and, and Tim deal with that at the time when the races started being cancelled? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a really weird grieving period for everyone. It felt um, surreal that, you know, I mean, not only the race run, like the world was shutting down and this um, dangerous virus was um, about and, you know, we're all told to stay at home and not go out unless it was absolutely necessary. So um, dealing with all of that and comprehending that whole situation. Uh, but then, yeah, just kind of like I feel like there was almost a grieving process and that, you know, we all sort of finish the season, you have your break, and then you have all these hopes and dreams for the next year and plan around it and meticulously plan around how you're going to prepare for the following year and how you're going to do better and what you're going to do differently. And so, you know, we're, we were well into that process. We started training in December it's March, uh, so we're four months in. We're very in very good shape, and then sort of the rug gets pulled out from underneath you. A melancholy feel in our group, um, but then uh, you know, obviously, very quickly we fell pregnant, and so we had that to focus on. And and then also our, our coach Julie put us on a, a three week on one week off cycle, which also was really good mentally to be like, okay, we're going to be in training and focus for three weeks, and then we'll have one week of basically do whatever you want and we have been choosing to travel a little bit around Colorado and see some of our states I mean um, the years for us you know since Tim and I've been together 2009 which is when I started racing Kona so whole years have been centered around Kona and also obviously racing in the summer and so we've just been non-stop for like you know 10 years yeah it's been really nice to just be home and you know spend more time at our house and uh, see some more of the Rocky Mountains which is you know it's a beautiful beautiful place so uh, we're, we're definitely taking the positives from this time and we have a lot to look forward to still. I want to talk to you a little bit about your background in the sport, Rinnie, if I can bring you right back to before your very first Kona, to right back like when you were a kid. Were you really sporty? I know you played basketball, but was it something that you grew up with being really sporty in your family in Australia? 
Yeah, I well, I grew up on a farm, um, and I had um, you know five other siblings, yeah, three brothers, two sisters, and so we were just outside a lot, uh, just like no shoes, running around the farm, um, we were grubs really, and <laughs> um, it was a great childhood in that you know it couldn't have been better in that we had room to run and play, and I think that is so important and so key. And, you know, eventually I got put into organized sports and that for me was basketball. I followed my brothers into the sport and uh, just loved playing uh, and competing. And initially I just kind of did it for fun. I'm like, I love basketball, I love playing for fun. I didn't understand that you could do it professionally until I was probably 14. And I was on like this, you know, the representative team for Brisbane. And um, our coach took us to watch one of the WNBL games, which is the like national league in Australia. And I met one of the professional basketball players and I'm like oh like you can do this for a living and so that sort of all of a sudden shifted my focus to like okay that's what I want to do in life I want to be a professional basketball player I want to play in the WNBA I want to go to college in the US and play and then I didn't grow past five three (laughs) and so that dream kind of petered off a little Um, but when I finished high school I that's when I found triathlon I was actually in the gym um, trying to get strong and fit for the upcoming basketball season because at that point I was playing, you know, in the open league with um, women that were much older than me, much stronger than me, and much bigger than me. And so, um, in order to stand out, I wanted I needed to be the fittest and the you know the strongest for my size and fastest on on the court. Um, but I met these triathletes and I was just intrigued. Like you guys do three sports, that sounds crazy. That sounds so hard. But then you know, over weeks or over months, um, I became more intrigued with the training that they did. And then one day their coach, I started to do some running sessions as well with them. So I was just lifting and running, I think five days a week, lifting three days and running just two of their run sessions. And he just said, Hey, you know, you run really well. Have you ever thought about, you know, giving triathlon a go? And that was all I needed. Just, you know, that little bit of confidence to say, Hey, you should give the sport a try. And, um, it was a little while later before I could afford, you know, to get a bike. Um, but yeah, I, I was basically okay. I'm going to be a triathlete from that moment forward, and um, that was back in, uh, I guess, not, probably early '99 by that point, or late '98. And I did my first race the end of '99. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a lot. I've been in the sport a, a while now. Where was that first race then, and how did you do? Uh, the first race was just uh, north of Brisbane in the Bay, and um, I actually did really well. I I placed third overall. Um, obviously, it was a very low-key local race, uh, so no um, superstars on the start line. But, uh, yeah, I was you – know, during the race, I was like – I think it was, you know, a 300-meter swim, 10K bike, 5K run, or 3K run. It was pretty short. And during the race, I was just thinking, this is miserable. This is so hard. You feel like you're drowning in the swim. I mean, obviously, I wasn't a swimmer, so the swimming was a real challenge for me. And then um, I think we had to, like, kind of run up um the beach and upstairs to get to transition and just feeling like my heart was going to explode (laughs) after swimming and then running and then trying to hop on the bike and ride and then hopping off the bike and having those dead heavy legs that we're all so familiar with like well this is just misery this is just like um you know painful all day uh but I crossed the finish line in third and then you know the competitive spirit sort of took over and I'm like okay I can do better next time and yeah sure enough I went home and trained more and by 2001, I was, I was on the Australian junior team, so that was pretty incredible for me. You know, playing basketball for you know 11 years, and the best I'd done was you know get in the state team, but sit on the bench really when we went away and played. So 
um, to be representing my country and traveling internationally for the first time ever. That was just massive for me and uh, kind of a little bit of a sign that, okay, maybe this is a sport that you could excel at. Do you ever look back now and think, God, you wanted to be a, a professional basketball player, but here you are, a professional triathlete and a three times world champion. I mean, there's some synergy there from a young child uh, wanting to be the best in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, that I just love sports. I love competition. And initially that love came in the form of playing basketball. And I, you know, I still love the sport of basketball. I, I don't play anymore. I haven't played for over a decade. Um, just, yeah, I think that certainly carried over into triathlon. And, uh, yeah, it's, I, I look at my career now and I'm just like, I can't believe it. I have to kind of pinch myself that um, it's gone as well as I have. It, triathlon really has given me everything I have. I met my husband through this sport. You know, I, I live in the U.S. I never thought I'd be living in the U.S. growing up. You know, I have, a, you know, a little girl and another one on the way. And, um, you know, life could not have, you know, worked out better um, and sweeter and, you know, one seventy three world title, three Ironman world titles, and and multiple other wins around the world. I mean, it's incredible, um, and I'm constantly like, I feel blessed to have had these opportunities to to, to race around the world and to follow my dreams. You must meet some incredible people as well. You're an inspiration to an awful lot of people, but you must meet an awful lot of people along the way that inspire you to to race and to train hard. And I'm sure that a lot of inspiration comes from Tim and from Izzy as well. Who inspires you now at the moment in terms of racing and, and training and, and just fuels that passion for sport and, and passion to be the best that you possibly can be? I think um, I get a lot of motivation just from my family, as you mentioned, Izzy and Tim um, and, and racing up. Really racing well and um, being a good example for Isabel. Uh, she has, comes to every single one of our races, and she's there on the you know the start, the finish line, and on the sidelines, and uh, she really gets it now. She's three, but yeah, having that little cheerleader definitely gives you a little more fuel for the fire. But honestly, the competition and um, just the goal of racing Kona and being the best you can athlete you can be on that day that really has driven me from from the beginning of you know when I found out about. Kona, which was back in about 2003. Of course, didn't race it until about 2009. But uh, once I learned about Ironman and Kona and saw the videos, I'm like, that is what I want to do. I want to see if I can be the best athlete um, in the world in that event. Uh, and so just the pursuit of excellence uh, on the big island is what motivates me. So when did that pivot happen from short course racing up to long distance racing? What was the the incentive or, or I suppose the pivotal point that you decided, yes, I'm going to go and, and chase that long distance dream? I think it was just a uh, progression for me. I, I didn't grow up swimming. So swimming was, for ITU, it's a very important to be a good swimmer. Um, if you're you know, behind other swim, it's just a battle. Uh, and I've just got frustrated with ITU racing because it just seemed that the, the the athletes that weren't as good at, on the swim weren't super great on the bike, or at least weren't. You know, they were trying to get top fifteen, top twenty. I'm like, no, I want to, I want to try and win. And so I was just constantly frustrated. Or there was only a few athletes around the world that I knew were similar type to me. They would drive to get to the front. They would work their butt off on the bike and uh, have cohesion on the bike. And um, there were a few races where I was able to get, you know, closer to the front and get a, you know, top five, top three finish. But that was so few and far between and there was a lot of frustration. And also I noticed in training I didn't seem to break down like my um, training partners. I could sort of run longer, further um, and not have any injury issues, sick issues. And it seemed to 
just feel good um, running. Uh, you know, I could felt like I could run all day at a pretty a pretty decent clip. Uh, and so it, it just, I guess, I just kind of realized that I, I, I think my strength's going to lay in the longer distance races. And so, you know, eventually I stepped up to 70.3s or halves, which turned into the 70.3 series. And then, um, yeah, but I had my eye on Ironman. Just, I just believed that that was, you know, where I was going to excel. And there is something magical about Kona and about stepping off the plane. We talk about it an awful lot, stepping off the plane in the airport. And the first thing that hits, well, it hits me, is the heat uh, when you oh, step yeah. off the plane. But everything around it, it's like a mecca for athletes. But it's just, it's an amazing place. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, you watch, I think uh, it comes back to watching the NBC coverage and like hearing the stories and the meltdowns and the great athletes that have gone before you and done amazing things or like gone before you and done amazing things. And then the next year completely failed in the, like the mystery of trying to get it right on the big Island. And yeah, exactly. I think, you know, I'm Australian from Brisbane, you know, the heat and humidity is not foreign to me. Um, our summers are much like Kona year round, but um, yeah, hopping off the plane, you know, for me, I was coming from the U S and it felt like a warm hug. Um, like, Oh, I'm, I'm home. This is, this is where, you know, I belong. But, yeah, definitely the, the heat and the intensity of it hits you first. And then, yeah, you're just like, wow. I'm, you know, I remember the first time I'm out on the Queen K. Like, this is where, you know, dreams are made. And then running along Lee Drive and swimming at Digby Beach and visualizing all of those things from the images you see, um, you know, on the live coverage and also on the NBC coverage. And then actually being there is um, pretty incredible. So you raced in Kona for the first time in 2009. That was your first time racing over there? Yes, that was my first Ironman as well, actually. I was able to qualify through winning the 70.3 Worlds. And so that was my first Ironman in 2009 in Kona. And you were on the podium in Kona in 2009 as well? Yeah, I got second that year to Chrissy. Took the win in, in 2010 and proceeded to do it two more times on the Big Island, as well as being on the podium. Seven times over a decade you've been on the podium in Kona. That sounds about right, yeah. It's incredible to think really, isn't it, that you have been there so many times and you've excelled and done so well on so many occasions. And despite some of the times when you obviously had a, an issue with your um, your elbow in 2019, you had that crash in 2015 where you were knocked off your bike. Like, it's amazing to think the grit and the tenacity that you have to go back to the island every single year, either as a defending champion or somebody that's trying to win it again. Um, it's just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I just have, I just love that race. And I think that that comes across in my results. And um, it just is, it really is the race that lights my fire and, and gets me, um, gets me going. And I think because I, I love trying to see what I can do on the big island, I've been able to get the best out of myself on that, on that island. And, you know, I, obviously, I have a really great team around me, management, um, coach, um, I'm working with obviously Siri Lindley for a long time, um, moved on to work with Julie Divins now. But um yeah, I think it really starts, I mean, it starts with a passion and a dream, but then you build a really great team around you. And um, and I certainly have a very positive team around me and have had throughout my career. And uh, yeah, and then, you know, playing your whole season around that one race, it's, it's a gamble, but um, it certainly paid off for me having one big goal every year. And what was it like running down the finish line as a world champion the first time? <laughs> 
Uh, it was kind of surreal. Um, 20, 2010, obviously, now, you know, the defending champion, Chrissy Wellington, the morning of the race, um, pulled out. And uh, I was, you know, getting my bike set up. And it was kind of like 45 minutes before the race started. And I'd spent the whole year like, okay, I got to, Chrissy's the one I got to beat. This is what she's going to do. This is where she's going to be in the race. And, um, and then she was not going to be racing. And so I was like throwing uh, for six. I was kind of a bit out of it. And, and my coach just grabbed me and said, hey, this changes nothing. Race your race. You know what to do. You're fit. You're healthy. You're ready to go. Um, go do it. But I felt intense pressure because I'm like, well, I have to win now um in the in the at the start but then you know the gun went off and I had the race of my life I felt amazing I had the best swim I've ever had on the island <laughs> I got out with like girls that are normally two three four minutes ahead of me um in the main front pack which has never happened before and never happened since and then like I just was strong on the bike and um and then I had a, a, a pretty fast marathon and uh yeah that win was a very special win yeah, and coming down the finish line, I think you know while you did expect it and you did dream it, and you, um, and you, you you go through the motions in your mind so many times, doing it in reality it was almost still surreal. Uh, and I feel like it wasn't until thirteen that I ran down the finish line that I was really like able to take it in. But in twenty ten, I was just kind of like whoa like what just happened today? That was like a dream. Did you mention that twenty thirteen is the day you had your perfect race? Yeah, I think twenty thirteen was my my best race on the big island. I think I raced much better than I did in 2010. I raced very well in 2010. I had a great race for what I was capable of at that moment. But three years later, you know, 2010 was my second ever Ironman. So I was still learning how to race an Ironman. By 2013, I felt that I could race an Ironman. I knew how to pace well on the bike. And then I knew how to close on the run. Uh, and I was in just great shape. We'd, we'd um, prepared very well. I'd done, you know, everything right. Um, no sickness, no injuries. And that year, and yeah, got to the start line, just ready to go. And then, yeah, it came together for me. So I feel like I executed very well. You mentioned chasing on the run and executing a great run, but really 2014 is where that run really, we saw it come to the forefront, your technique, your style, your ability to just chase down your opponents. I'm not sure any of us thought in 2014 that you would make up the deficit behind Daniela, but what a performance you put in on that run and your running record and your course record for the run still stands today, six years later. Well, it'll be seven years in 2021. Yeah, um, yeah, 2014. I think mentally it was my best performance, uh, you know, being defending champion and getting off the bike 14 minutes or 13 and a half minutes or whatever it was a long way down from a lead wasn't in my, you know, our plan. But, you know, the only person that believed that I could win after I got off the bike that day was Siri Lindley, my coach. I, I was hopped off the bike and I was kind of like angry that I, I'm like, this is embarrassing. I'm defending champion. I'm this far behind a rookie off the bike. Like what's the point in even finishing it's just a little bit of a negative mindset to start the run. And then, you know, I saw Siri, you know, half a mile in and she was crouching down. She was like a crouching tiger and her energy and intensity was palpable. And she's like, you are in the perfect position. And I'm like, you are crazy. And uh, then, you know, a few hundred meters later, I'm like, okay, let's just put, execute the perfect run. I'm, I know I looked after myself very well on the bike. These girls have to be hurting. They biked very hard. And, um, changed my focus to just okay, picking off one person at a time instead of being like, I'm 14 minutes down. Okay, let's just pick off one person at a time and see what happens. And that negativity that I had for, you know, like a few minutes at the start of the run was basically forgotten and it was just, okay, focus on the next person. And I think when you bring your focus into 
you know, smaller achievable goals, um, you know, then once I picked the girls off, I was becoming more and more positive and building energy, you know, and then the fortunate thing for me was, you know, I think I was in eighth. I'm like, my first goal was top five. And so I got to, I think sixth place and then I think third, fourth and fifth were running together. So I basically moved from sixth to third in, you know, a matter of a hundred meters. And so the momentum that you gain from that um, is pretty incredible. And yeah, just focusing on, you know, the next person, the next person was Rachel Joyce. Um, and I, I was able to catch her down the energy lab. And then I'm like, wow, like I'm in second place. This is an amazing race. And, but you know, Daniela was just up the road and I could see her and I'm like, okay, that is my goal and I am going to catch her. And yeah, that was proud of that performance for holding it together. And, you know, even though my mind and, you know, the first few minutes of the run was a bit all over the place, um, I was able to get it back together and execute my best ever run on the, on the big island. Do you think, Rene, that the mental strength and the mental capacity and turning that focus on in a race when you really need it is nearly more important than the amount of training that you've done to get to the start line of the race? Because if you had had let those negative thoughts overtake you, you may never have gotten to that podium on the day. You know, I'm a I'm a believer that uh, I'm I'm not the most talented person um, on the big island by any means, but I think. Um, I've been able to get my best mental game for that race every year. And that's why I've been able to perform well. And yeah, like, I think it's really important to be very fit and strong. Um, because obviously if you don't do that and if you don't have good nutrition plan in place, the mental game, you know, isn't as successful, but if your mental game is there, you can push yourself further than, you know, maybe you physically should be able to. And I feel that, yeah, I've definitely, um, been able to rise to the occasion in Kona every year there, pretty much every year there. And um, I think that is the difference because I've seen so many amazing athletes on the island and I'm like, this girl is incredible. Like, I don't know how, you know, I could beat her. But then, you know, the gun goes off and weird things happen on that big island. Madame Pele has a funny way of uh, of taking over the island on, on race day. There's been some really fast days and then there's been some really slow days. And Madame Pele has been, you know, part of the reason why people haven't, uh, you know, achieved their dreams or, or their goals on, mm-hmm. on the day. I'd love to talk to you a little bit about how you balance life with Tim and with Izzy and your training and how you match it all together. But before I do that, I want to ask you, how did yourself and Tim meet and where did he bring you on your first date? <laughs> uh, Tim and I actually met in I think we had met prior to this but we properly met in um, St. Croix in the Virgin Islands uh, pre-race so we were do, there was a pasta party and um, he came and sat you know at the table I was sitting at and so I mean, I'm like oh hey how's it going and kind of casual meeting and then um, the next day he won the men's race and I actually finished second I was defending champ but I finished second in the women's race and then, um, yeah, we just got to chatting after the race. And then, you know, I called one of my good friends, Mary Miller, back here in Boulder. I was coming back to Boulder because I'd been in California with Siri training and I was just coming back for the summer. It was around May. And I, well, I kind of waited until it got warm enough to come here. And I'm like, hey, do you know Tim O'Donnell? And she's like, yes, he just moved to Boulder. She's like, this is going to be a great summer. Um, and so anyway, uh, it was, I think, not until late June or July that we had our first date. The plan was to go to Red Rocks Amphitheater, which is an outdoor amphitheater. And uh, at that time of the year, they have a movie on the rocks and the movie was going to be the princess bride. And so he's like, okay, we're going to go see the princess bride, but he didn't get tickets in advance. 
And so he picks me up and he's like, okay, we're gonna go, we'll go to Whole Foods. We'll get some, you know, stuff for, you know, dinner because you kind of carry in dinner there. And then he's like, and then I'm just going to stop at like King Supers, which is like a grocery store on the way out of town and, and get us the tickets. Of course, they were sold out. And he's like, okay, well, we'll just drive up to the gate and get tickets. No, they were sold out too. And so I'm like, well, it's fine. We can just go have a picnic somewhere. We'll find somewhere. And he's like, no, we're not having a picnic on the side of the road. And so we went to this cute little town called Morrison. And it actually couldn't have worked out better because, you know, watching a movie, we would have been sitting watching a movie. Um, but we ended up having a dinner um, in this cute little town. It was a French restaurant. Uh, I think it was called Prague. And we sat for hours. We we, we were chatting and we um, shared a bottle of wine. And, you know, we looked up, at, you know, hours later and we were the last people there. The chairs were all going up on the tables. We're like, okay, we better leave. Um, so, yeah, that was our first date. And, um, you know, what, you know, it's kind of shown me that my husband is not the most prepared man. <laughs> uh, and that rings true to this day. But uh, it was like a blessing then because we were able to sit and actually get to know each other a little bit on that first date and and that was yeah I mean it was a it was a great first date and you know we're still here 11 years later and so how do you manage your schedule together when you're both racing and training how, how do you manage that you know you have time for yourselves and, and time for your training and that you know you might be on a really hard session and he might be on an easy session how do you coordinate your schedule so that you have what most of us would term a normal daily life well, I think, uh, first of all, we're fortunate that we're both professional athletes. If my partner was, um, you know, working full time, I think it'd be a lot harder to connect. And also, I think it's it's hard. It's harder for or at least I, I feel like it's harder for spouses to understand, you know, I'm going to be out riding my bike all day on Saturday and, and then I'm going to be exhausted Sunday afternoon because I'm going to run 30K in the morning. We're both on the same, same page. Um, and so we're both on the same sort of schedule. And actually, earlier in our career, I was sort of shifting my focus to long course and Ironman and he was still racing ITU and um, more short course races. So our schedules were a lot different initially, but by about 2012 or 13, maybe it was 2012 or 11 actually, he decided he wanted to race Ironman. So once we both got on the same schedule, that was much better because we were able to plan our years sort of together. Like we, we wouldn't pick the same races unless they made sense for us. We like kind of always trying to pick the best races for ourselves, uh, regardless of the other person. Sometimes it was um, together. But the great thing was we were able to plan our, like, mid-season break together. And obviously Kona is our big race. So we're both in, like, intense focus training at the same times. And then after Kona, obviously, we have time off together. And so the rhythm of the season um, is the same. So that makes things a lot easier. But, yeah, I mean, there's some days where he's having a hard day, I'm having an easy day. And actually that's a good thing because – I have a little more energy to maybe go get the groceries and cook dinner and clean up. And, um, you know, on my harder days, you know, maybe he can cook dinner. Actually, he doesn't really like to cook dinner, but he'll he'll do more around the house and help out a little more. So, um, yeah, I mean, we kind of like pick each other up. Um, sometimes we're both just exhausted and we just order DoorDash to take out. But um, it works out actually really well. And we do have a lot of time together. We, we do go and start rides together, uh, whether – I have intervals that he has intervals. We just kind of warm up together and go do our thing. Sometimes we do long rides together. And when I'm fit, we do our longer runs together as well, or, and certainly in the off-season. So we do get to spend a lot of time training together as well. Now that you're expecting your second baby, is your training very different to when you were pregnant with Izzy, or are you on the same trajectory as you were on the last time? Uh, the training has been a lot different because when I fell pregnant with Izzy it was like eight weeks after Kona so I was almost basically at my most unfit I am 
um, all year, probably six weeks after Kona. I was around November. We found out we were pregnant with Izzy. So I'd basically just taken time off after Kona and then was just starting to start training again. And then we found out we're pregnant. So I just never got on a real program. I just kind of like, um, you know, kept active, did something every day, but never really was training. Whereas this time I was about eight weeks out from an Ironman. So I was in very good shape. Uh, we've tried to keep the fitness for longer. So, um, you know, I stayed on program through till, you know, the beginning of this month, actually, uh, where I was following a program and doing some intensity, you know, within reason. Um, and training has definitely been tapering off or, you know, getting less in hours as I've, you know, put on a little bit more weight and getting a little slower and things are getting a bit more uncomfortable. Uh, but yeah, I only just went off program. So now I'm kind of doing a similar program if you want to say to what I was when I had Izzy where I you know I just kind of get up and have a rough plan for what I want to do for the week but there's nothing really set in stone and I sort of go by feel and I'll do that for the rest of the pregnancy I'll try to probably stick around you know 10 to 12 hours but obviously everything will be guided by how I feel and at the height of your peak performance Renee what would a typical week of training look like in either hours or or distance across swim bike run and, and strength and conditioning I'd probably um, train between 25 and 30 hours. 30 hours would be a very, you know, big week and probably bigger on the bike. Um, you know, 12 to 15 hours of cycling. Uh, I'm probably better at um, distances. So I'd probably ride, you know, 350 to 450K on the bike, um, 80 to 100K of running and probably 20 to 25K of swimming and then two strength sessions in there as well. So it works out to be roughly 25 to 30 hours. And, and they're my bigger weeks. You know, I don't do those until probably mid-season uh, when I'm fit enough to handle that sort of volume and um, can bounce back from that kind of volume. And, you know, it's really more preparing for an Ironman or, or Kona more specifically. And as you've moved through the sport over the past number of years, especially at the long distance racing, how has your fueling and your rest and recovery changed or has it? I think um, fueling, I certainly noticed that as I got more efficient at racing at a certain intensity or at Ironman intensity, I take on a little less calories just because we become more efficient. Certainly in the halves, I noticed that I really didn't need a whole lot um, of nutrition uh, during the race until I had Isabel and was um, breastfeeding and then I needed a lot. <laughs> so it's a, it's kind of a constantly moving goalpost, to be honest. But yeah, prior to Izzy, I was pretty efficient um, at that effort for like a half. Uh, I'm in still a little different in that it's, it is so long you do need to fuel, but maybe not as aggressive as I did when I was first starting doing Ironman. Has your recovery strategy changed over the years and your rest? Do you sleep more now than you did 10 years ago? I've always been a big sleeper. I think I don't sleep as much now as I did because I have a small <laughs> toddler um, running around who likes to wake us up at the middle of the night pretty much every night still. I think as you get older, you don't sweat the small stuff. And so, you know, after I had Izzy, yeah, I've had so many minimal sleep nights and was doing training and I'm like I don't know how I was doing everything I was doing because you know prior to Izzy we'd, we'd sleep eight to ten hours I'd take a nap in the daytime we would rest um, on the couch if we weren't training be in the Norma Tech boots um, on the massage table a whole lot more I just have a little less time now for recovery so it is more important because I am getting older um, but the one thing I do make sure I do is get um, that massage once a week or if I'm in Kona training 25, 30 hours a week. I'm um, getting two massages a week. That has been enough to sustain me 
but yeah, I mean, honestly, I think I used to recover better <laughs> than I do now because, you know, I get home and I've got a three-year-old and she wants to play and somehow she gives us energy too because she's so full of love and to be in that sort of mindset of instead of thinking, oh, this is taking energy away from me, I feel like well, this is fulfilling. It's filling up my cup to be able to spend time with my daughter and, and that happiness, I think, bleeds into racing and um, and is shown uh, when you're out there racing, you're doing it because you love it and I want to talk about some of the lowlights maybe not the lowlights is the wrong word but I suppose disappointments across you know the injuries that you had we'll say before Kona when you were knocked off your bike three days before the race the elbow fracture was the radius uh, last year how do you deal with that kind of stuff when it's completely out of your control and there's nothing you can do with it but how do you pick yourself back up or what do you do in terms of a mental strategy to get back on the horse as we would say in Ireland and push on and push forward with what you need to do and what you need to get done you've nailed the two setbacks I've ever had in my career really I've never had an injury um and never had like a chronic illness that's put me out of racing for you know at all really maybe it missed a, a race or two throughout my career from falling ill before the race uh and again that comes down to really good coaching and management um and having a good team around me but also listening to my body and so yeah like when I did have that you know accident three days before Kona where I was knocked off my bike I kind of just tried to brush it off and um, continue on and you know in my mind I was like well I'm going to be fine but my body wasn't really fine and I wasn't able to finish the race because my back was just uh, a bit of a mess after the crash but I think you move past that and you do have a grieving period and um, period where you're disappointed and upset that you know things didn't go to plan but I try to look at the positives well you know 2015 was um I guess my uh, sixth chance at racing Kona and the previous, you know, five, I'd won three of them, been on the podium, um, two of them. So I got a second, a third and, um, and three firsts. So I try to look at, well, I've, I've had such an amazing run and this just wasn't my year, just wasn't meant to be. And so I think when you just start thinking of being grateful for what you do have instead of focusing on the one bad performance, or the one year you couldn't um, execute the race that you planned or set out to or trained for, then you can put a positive mind spin on it. And then, you know, you go into the next year and like, okay, well, you know, that happened. It's behind me now. Uh, I can All I can do is focus on the next goal. For somebody starting out in the sport, what pieces of advice would you give them? And especially women that maybe are considering stepping up from a short distance to long distance racing. Well, first of all, um, well done for not just going straight for the long distance. I think there are a lot of athletes that say, ah, oh, see Ironman and say, ah, oh, I just want to go and do an Ironman and they bypass the short course races. And I think that's a massive mistake. You know, I think people who approach triathlon and Ironman should try and race the short course races first. I think it just gives you more joy when you do get up to the Ironman and you know what you're in for, basically. Other than that, um, I think my best advice is to get a good team around you, find a coach that you trust and um, who believes in you. And also training partners are invaluable. If you can have um, some great training partners that can help push you and um, be positive um, around you, I think that that's really helpful. And it just makes the journey a lot more fun, especially if you have a teammate that's you know, doing their first as well. And that makes um, the whole journey uh, a little bit more fulfilling and enjoyable. And then when we look at um, new mums or maybe mums that are looking to take up triathlon, what advice would you give to those ladies who are looking to take up the sport or maybe to step up in distance after having a baby? I think um, after you have a, a baby, I was certainly felt like I was racing some of my best ever. I think you're mentally stronger 
stronger than you'll ever be. I think there's, you know, some definitely some baby hormones in there that can help you along. But yeah, I mean, time management becomes um, an issue and um, figuring out, you know, how to make sure you're giving your husband and your and child um, everything they need, but then, you know, taking that time for yourself to fulfill a, a dream or goal, which, you know, whatever that may be. So just make sure you you know, have some good support around, um, whether that's an in-law or a great nanny or a great um, a babysitter that you, you know, know and trust and, and loves your kids that, you know, you you feel comfortable leaving your little one in their care. Yeah, that's my biggest advice. I'm going to go to a rapid fire round now, Rini. This is something that we started just this week. We um, announced obviously yesterday that you were coming on the show. So we asked people to submit some of their questions. So I've picked some of them for you for a rapid fire round. So John Stapleton wants to know what sort of run training do you do? I do uh, probably one like longer aerobic run a week that's easy. I do one pretty high intensity training session, which is probably um, 10K race pace. I'd probably run about 15K, 10 to 15K at that race pace. And then I do one build run. So it starts out sort of slow and, and finishes pretty hard. And that's about 20K. And the rest of my running's more, you know, off the bike just to get my legs under me. I run six days a week. I always take one day off. One day a week, I'll run twice in the day. So it's probably seven run sessions a week. Do you recover faster after your bike sessions or your run sessions? Bike sessions. Yeah, yeah, run sessions definitely take a little bit more out of you, especially the high intensity ones and the long ones. Oliver Harkin says, uh, Rini has a history of winning world championships coming from sometimes well behind on the run, amazing runner. Was there any championships where you thought that's too big of a gap, but you won and it even surprised you? And also, what do you think Lucy Charles needs to do to become the world champion? So two questions from Oliver for you. You know, the obvious answer for that one is uh, 2014 when I was 14 and a half minutes down on, on Daniela and uh, getting off the bike. I, you know, I didn't think that the win was, you know, in the cards for me that day but uh you know then I mentioned earlier I decided to just do the best I could and it ended up with a, a third world title that day so um that's definitely the most memorable uh race where I was a long way down off the bike um at <laughs> the beginning didn't think I would uh, I'd get to the front but um I did in the end um and Lucy Charles I think Lucy Charles just needs to keep doing what she's doing she is so close she just has to keep turning up uh, she's she's right there. She's right where she needs to be. Uh, just a little bit of improvement every year, and she'll look back after she's won a couple of world titles. I mean, I know it's fr- probably frustrating for her now, but she'll look back and and realize how great these years have been for her. Um, because when you're right there and you can taste it, it just pushes you and drives you so hard, and and it brings out the best athlete in you. And I, yeah, she's just a phenomenal talent. From Instagram, Jennifer Sophie asks, if you could go back to your first ever Ironman race and give yourself a piece of advice, what would it be? My first Ironman race was actually Conan, almost a decade after my first triathlon. So I was very well prepared. But one thing I would um, tell myself would be to push a little harder or trust in your training. Uh, because I was very cautious on the bike that year. I, you know, I swam very well, but on the bike, I was so worried about the marathon and just making the distance that I didn't, um, I didn't push as hard as I maybe could have on the bike but you know hindsight's twenty twenty, and through my years of racing I, I learned a lot. So before Kona in 2009 had you ever run a marathon even? No. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah so it was like two unknowns first ever marathon first ever marathon off the bike and on the biggest stage in the sport so uh yeah it was uh, a big a big ask but you know I I had prepared very well and, and it's and it took my time to make sure I could compete on that day but I was still very fearful of the distance. You don't do things by halves. 
No. <laughs> All in. <laughs> All in or nothing. Um, Eve yeah. O'Connor asks, do you ever get mammy guilt for training? And has having Izzy changed your training? Do you find it hard to divide yourself and cope with the responsibilities as a mum as well as your responsibilities as an athlete? Yeah, absolutely. When I initially had Izzy, I, you know, I didn't want to leave her. I didn't want to spend a second away from her. But you kind of realize that I, I still had passion for racing and still was calling me to to do that. So I had to sort of separate parenting from this is my job um, and my profession. Yes, it's my passion and my love as well. But um, I, yeah, there were many times you just don't want to leave. You know, you're, you've got a beautiful little baby who just wants to spend time with you. And um, especially when they get a little bit older, they're like, mommy, mommy, don't go. Stay with me. Um, it's really hard to, <laughs> to go. And actually, um, she's forced me to dial back my training just a little bit. So a lot of the fluff that I maybe would have done before, like the little extra sessions that I would add in and um, do like an extra little 30 minute jog here, or I just kind of, I don't have time for that. So it's like, okay, it's, I go and get my training done. There's no messing around. And then um, it's easy time. So yeah, like you definitely, I think, I don't think you can avoid having a little bit of guilt um, when you, you have a little one at home, but um, yeah, I'm hoping to show her that I am a strong woman, um, goals and dreams, and I can do that and also be everything to her as well. And speaking of Izzy, Deirdre Kelly in Galway wants to know, do you want mm. Izzy to be a triathlete? And she says, I love, love Izzy. <laughs> <laughs> Little Izzy, yeah, she's a star of the show. I want Izzy to do whatever she loves. Honestly, like we're trying to... Um, We'll try and expose her to a bunch of different sports. You know, I'd love her to be involved in sports for sure. Uh, I'd love her to, you know, start with a team sport, but also, you know, we'll put her in swimming. And But, yeah, we'll let her dictate what she wants to do. And, you know, she already, you know, wants to, I want to go riding with mummy. I want to run with mummy. I'm going to run with you today, mummy. And so she'll start a lot of my runs and do the first couple hundred meters. And, and then I have to say, good, you know, goodbye to her and, and continue on but much to her disgust because she wants to do the whole run i mean monkey see monkey do right like she sees what we do she wants to go and do that like mommy and daddy too but um i want to expose her to a bunch of different sports and i don't really want her to be a triathlete because i don't really want her riding on the roads <laughs> but if that's something that she wants to do and she loves then of course we'll support her and of course we did see on your instagram uh just at the weekend izzy was in the gym with you and she was trying to copy the the session yeah. so very cute very involved as well Oh, yeah, yeah. I take her to my Friday morning gym sessions um, with our strength coach, Erin. And yeah, she wants to do all the same things. So Erin's like always setting up like, okay, well, here's mommy's weights. And here's like Izzy's little, what a, like something that looks like what I'm picking up um, that she could actually pick up. And yeah, she yeah, very proudly stands beside me and, and tries to mimic my exercises. And we saw on the Tim and Rini show with Izzy recently where you had done the re big reveal about the pregnancy. And at the end, then we saw Izzy was saying, Daddy, I'm going out on my bike. Now you bring me out my shoes and I'll forget them and bring me out my helmet and I'll yeah, forget yeah. them. Just so, so cute. Esther Carpati asks, what is your mantra to get through struggles you may have? Mantra has been, um, you know, throughout my triathlon career, if it is to be, it's up to me. And that one just... I actually came from a basketball coach way back when I was 12 or 13 years old and really just resonated with me. I think, um, you know, a lot of the times people are waiting for help from other people or, you know, I deserve this or um, you should help me do this. And I, I just kind of took that and ran and believe that if the, you want something in life, no one's going to want it as much as you want it for yourself. 
And so if you want something in life, then you should go out and, and just take it by both hands um, with all your might. So um, that's kind of how I approach my triathlon career and um, kind of the mantra that I carry with me. And Shannon Kelly asks, at what stage during your sporting endeavours did you think you could do this for a living? I think probably, well, I wasn't really doing it for a living until I won my first world title. I mean, I was scraping by until then, which was 2007. But I sort of started believing around 2002, I finished second in the under 23 world world title, world championships, the ITU uh, race in Cancun. And um, that really showed me that, okay, I could be actually really good at this sport and that was kind of my first glimpse of okay maybe I can do this professionally and and make a living but again you still check yourself because for a few more years I was barely scraping by and racing from race to race to you know to eat and pay rent and um it wasn't until I kind of really got in the big stage and won a world title that I was like okay I'm, I'm actually making money that I can put away and I'm not comfortable by any means but I'm I'm good I have two more questions for you, Rini. As an inspiration to many of us around the world, when you started out in the sport, who was your inspiration or the role model that you looked up to? Loretta Harrop. Uh, she's a professional female triathlete from Australia. Uh, in 99, she won the ITU World Championships. 2000, she got fifth in the Olympics, but she had, you know, had an injury. And then in Athens in 2004, she got the silver medal. It was actually a heartbreaking rundown by Kate Allen who actually is Australian but was racing for Austria because her husband was Austrian but what I loved about her was just her tenacity and her strength and her toughness when she was in Australia she was trained all around the world and a lot of spent a lot of time in Europe because of the ITU season but when she was in Australia she trained out of our center and so I got to sort of observe her work ethic Um, she let us do a couple of training sessions with her when I was like just starting out and um, yeah, she was just incredible. So tough. Now, I know you've raced over this side of the world before, but have you any plans to come over and any plans to come to Ireland? We would love to come to Ireland. O'Donnell is a, you know, Irish name. And uh, yeah, we, we would love to get out there and visit. We don't have any immediate plans. You know, obviously no plans right now because we can't travel. But um, at some point, I don't know if it'll be for a race. We don't love love cold races. <laughs> um but we'd love to get out there and visit. Uh, I know Tim's parents also would love to go out there as well. So probably it'd be a family visit um, holiday more than uh, a race. Well, we can always arrange a meet and greet in Galway for you and bring you out to Salt Hill for a swim. It was 15.5 degrees Celsius in the water this morning for our swim. So it was lovely and wild. <laughs> yeah, that sounds quite cold. Doable. But yes, very cold. Rini, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege talking to you. And I really do hope to see you in Kona in 2021 and wish you the very best of luck with the rest of your pregnancy. And big uh, hello to Tim and Izzy and, and keep up the amazing stuff that you're doing and keep inspiring the rest of us to keep pushing forward. Thank you so much. No worries. I appreciate it, Joanne. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was such a privilege and an honour to chat with the three-time Ironman world champion, Marinda Carfrey. Don't forget you can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. That's try with an I, not a Y. I'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and on our new Instagram page at trytalkingsport. Pop by and say hi and let me know what you think of the show. If you are new to Try Talking Sport, please do check out some of our previous episodes. You will be both impressed and inspired by our guests. Until next time, wash your hands, stay safe, and thanks as always for tuning in. Try Talking Sport.